Hey, this is Abby Sachek. Welcome to the New Culture Church podcast. Our vision is to create the culture of Christ in Madison, one person, one place at a time. We believe this happens through being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what he did. And we hope that the teachings and the content you find here will help you do just that. We also know that these are trying times. So if you need anything at all, please reach out to us through our website. We would love to connect with you. We hope you enjoy this podcast. This is the last Sunday in our series, Walking Through Our Rule of Life. So if you are unfamiliar still with what the rule of life is talking about, um, at the welcome table, we have these little rule of life kind of papers that we call a little like workbook that will explain a little bit more. But essentially a rule, um, although that word can kind of be like, whoa, rules in church. We normally don't like that or or feel a little funny about it. That word rule comes from the Latin word trellis, um, which essentially is something to just say like, okay, as we are planting seeds, we're allowing the Lord to speak to us um, how that trellis helps the seeds and the plants grow in the right direction and to stay rooted and planted. Our rule is just a set of practices that we are trying to learn, that we are trying to grow in together so that we too can be planted and rooted in who God has created us to be and live in the way of Jesus. And so we talk about that a lot here at New Culture of what does it look like for us to be people that are with Jesus And as we do that, that we are becoming like him, which takes practice, which takes discipline, so that then we can do the things that Jesus did when he was here on earth. Um, And we can see his kingdom come right here in Madison. And so that's what we're after. Um, And so I just want to encourage you yet that if you haven't, um, that you can go back and listen on our podcast of like past uh, sermons if you want more of the rule of life teachings, but to grab one of these workbooks So we are talking today about seeking the renewal of the city. What does this look like for us to say, God, would you come and can we see your kingdom come right here in Madison as it is in heaven? And so um, what this kind of looks like for us when we talk about it in our rule of life is we say that seeking renewal of our city is praying for renewal and praying, and not only praying for renewal, but bringing renewal through contributing to our city, volunteering at local organizations, participating in different service projects, and things like that, and also praying for our city with our Pray 297 campaign, which we have also these little cards at our welcome table, um, where we have this vision to pray over every single neighborhood in Madison. And so really our heart would be, what does it look like for each and every one of us to be people that are committed to praying for our neighborhoods that we are in? Because our, as a church, we're in one neighborhood, but each and every one of you, you're somewhere else throughout the city. And so we want to be people that are constantly praying for that. And so when we're saying that part of our rhythm of life is to seek renewal, that's what we're talking about. That we would be praying for it, that we would then be bringing that renewal um, and continuing to pray and be obedient to the Lord is asking us to do and what our role is to seeing kingdom come in our place that God has us. Um, But to get started today, um, we're going to play a little game, okay? So we're going to play a game, and it's not going to be fun if you guys don't play. It's just going to be awkward, so you should all play. Um, But when I was in high school, we would play this on, like, long road trips, and then in college, too. I went to college in Minneapolis, grew up near Chicago, so depending on, like, the wet weather, it would be either, like, a seven-hour drive back home for Christmas break, or it would be, like, a 12-hour drive back home for Christmas break. So we would always play, you know, all these different car games. And one of them was one person says a word and on impulse, like you have to say the first word that comes to mind or what comes to mind when you hear that word. 
Make sense? Pretty simple. So like if I were to say red and you're like, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Okay. So turn to someone next to you, like make that eye contact now of like, who are you going to say? Um, and I'm going to give you a word. Ready? And the first thing that comes to mind when I say it, you just have to like say it to them. Okay. Your word, seek. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, I wasn't expecting that. That was like, I, all I heard is like, find. Did anyone say something other than find? What, what do you say, Christina? Hide. <laughs> hide. There you go. Find and hide. That's incredible. That was not the point of the illustration, um, but that was beautiful. Seek, find. Um, seek, hide. That's where my mind goes, okay? When I hear that word seek, my impulse is like hide. Like hide and go seek. That's what I think of. But the reality is that for all of us, there's all of these different words and there's these different things that we've heard, but we're going to have something, we're going to have some sort of lens or thing that we filter that through and what that's going to lead us to thinking. And so when I was thinking of this idea of seeking, I was thinking of hide and go seek. And what is the greatest fear as a child when you're playing hide and go seek? Never being found. That is the greatest fear is never being found. Um, I grew up with, I have three brothers, and we often, like, were friends with a lot of other families that had a lot of kids. So I swear sometimes we'd be, like, Sunday afternoon at church, or after church, because um, we were normal and had morning church, you know. <laughs> but we would be at someone's house for dinner, and I swear there'd be, like, 20-something kids playing hide-and-go-seek. And I'm like, surely they're going to forget. So it was always that, like, balance of, like, I want to be good, but not too good, so that nobody ever finds me, because that is the scariest part of hide and go seek. Um, so a basic just definition though, if you were like to just Google, which I did, just the word seek, like what comes up, um, and it's the attempt to find something, to look for something. But I love like the context they give right under, it says they came here to seek shelter from a biting winter winds, was like the first thing that came up on Google when I was looking into this word. And I was thinking of yesterday, when we all got woken up to that biting winter wind, and, and this idea that for some of us, we think of like hide and seek, or we think of seeking something. And maybe we think of it's the same way as like, okay, we're looking for something. Like we're going to look. But it's like when you're looking for something and you don't find it and you just kind of move on, that's kind of what we can think of. But the type of seeking that we're talking about today is a type of seeking where you don't give up until you find it. And where you seek with this expectation that you are going to find it which is hopefully what we do when we all were children and played hide and go seek. We didn't leave our friends behind. We were like, we're seeking with the intention of we're gonna find every last kid that's hiding in this house, in this yard. We're going to find them. In the same way where if you're stuck out in the cold, you're not just gonna like look around and after an hour be like, ah, we couldn't find any shelter, okay, we're done. No, you're gonna walk every single mile and you're gonna keep going every single hour until you find shelter, until you find what it is that you're looking for. So we see this in scripture where way back in Jeremiah in the Old Testament, which is gonna be one of the key passages we're looking at today, in Jeremiah 29, seven, and this is really the theme of our whole prayer campaign of praying for every single neighborhood, where it says to pray for the peace and pray for the prosperity of the city in which you've been brought to. And then we see that Jesus, he came. And we read this in the Gospels. One of the times it's referenced is in Luke 10, 19, where it says that Jesus was the son of man and he came to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus came and he demonstrated what it looked like to seek and then to save that which was lost. 
He didn't just give up. He came and he did save us. He did find us. He did give us that that invitation into relationship with him. He saved us from our sins. So then we see seeking according to scripture is seeking with the intention and the reality that what we are seeking can be found. It can be found. So we're talking about seeking renewal. So when we're talking about this idea of seeking, we're saying we're seeking something that can be found. So let's talk about renewal then. The first thing that comes to mind for me when I think of the word renewal, and I won't make you guys play any more games, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is renewing a library book. Now, I will admit, I now don't really do the whole library thing. I really should because I just spend too much money on books, and it's not, not a wise use. So I should use my library card more. Um, But when I was younger, I would use library books all the time. And then in college, I used library books all the time. And when I think of renewing something, I think of renewing that book, that book that I had two weeks to read, probably didn't read, and then I'm going to renew it and pretend like now in the next two weeks I'm going to read it, or I'll renew it and pretend like it's not lost somewhere under my couch where I can't find it. And, And what do you do when you renew it? You kind of reset your loan, right? You reset the timeline. And we see this in scripture as well, is that when we invite Jesus to come in and renew us, it's him coming in and taking us back to who he created us to be in his image, pure, holy, blameless, worthy before him. I want to read us a couple of different passages of scripture. There's going to be a lot of scripture today, so you might want to write down the references, go back, study it this week. But the first one that we're going to read is Revelation 21, 1 through 7. And it's this vision here, this beautiful picture where it says this, starting in verse 1 of Revelation 21. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no, be, more no, mo, be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. So we're seeing here this beautiful picture, this beautiful glimpse into what is to come, where there's no more tears, where there's no more pain where the Lord has taken his place on the throne. We see renewal in scripture as this process of being transformed into who God created us to be and then living how he intended us to live. And the way that I want to kind of define this too is that this process of renewal is both presence and peace. And so we're going to dive into kind of that thought today. And our big so what is that renewal is both a future promise and a present reality. And so now what do we do with that? Well, then we can be present and we can bring that peace. This this idea of this vision of what we're reading about in Revelation, 
Because Jesus did come and Jesus did die on the cross and he paid the price for our sins, he ushered in the new heavens and the new earth. So we're in this like spot right now, this in-between of what has come and what is still yet to come. And so we live there in this place of, of, of realizing and recognizing that we don't have to wait to start living out the kingdom of heaven here on earth. That through Jesus, we can live like him and we can usher in his kingdom and be a part of restoring it right here on earth. So seeking renewal for our city, it's praying for it and it's being present. It's this future promise and this present reality. You see, in Revelation here, God is saying that he was going to come and make this place a dwelling place, that he was going to be present with no more pain, but this really was more than a future promise, but it's a present reality that we can enter into. We're going to spend the rest of our time for the next few minutes in Jeremiah 29, because that is where this verse comes for, where we talk about praying for the peace and praying for um, the prosperity, and different translations have all sorts of fun words um, there. It's also the chapter that everybody's graduation uh, cards probably said. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for you to prosper and grow and you, whatever translation you had, right? We know Jeremiah 29 and 11, um, but there's a lot going on in this chapter here that we're going to get into today. So right, what's happening in Jeremiah 29 here is that this is kind of a, like a preach off. So Jeremiah and these false prophets are kind of going back and forth, writing these letters and these sermons to each other. So here's just kind of like a little bit of an outline of what's happening, and then we're going to dive in. So he's talking about these different endeavors to reconcile um, the people and their captivity. So these people are sent into exile and captivity. And so he's trying to tell them, okay, now that you're here and you're in captivity and you're in this place, make the best of it. Then he gives them these kind of like cautions about the false prophets, about how they're going to continue to come and they're going to continue to say false things to them because they're false prophets. Then he goes in and he starts to assure them that God is going to resolve and restore them in mercy. And he starts to tell about the destruction that's going to come, that there's going to be persecution, um, and prophesies that if they continue to follow these false prophets, there's going to be even more destruction. So that's what's happening in this chapter. And then in the midst of this, we have the really hopeful things of like plans for you to prosper and grow. So we're going to read a lot starting in verse 4 here of Jeremiah 29. It says, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives. He has ex exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that they may have many grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. So the first thing that we're reading here is that they were brought to this place into exile. You know, some of you, you might feel that maybe about the place that you're in today. Maybe some of you, you love your jobs. Maybe some of you, you're like, yes, it feels like I've been taken captive to everything they put on my desk every morning. Some of you, you might love even this city. And some of you, it might feel like, okay, how long are we going to be here? But no matter where you are in your place that God has you right now, Jeremiah is telling them, okay, this is how you should live. Wherever you are, no matter what the circumstances are, this is the invitation for you to live. That you can plant, that you can have homes, that you can multiply. 
What this is telling us is that there is purpose in our place. And I truly believe that today, that one of the, one of the greatest things that we could walk away from is with this hope and this confidence and this recognition that there is purpose for us in the places that God has us. That because followers of Jesus, we do get to usher in his kingdom and we do get to usher in his presence. And so the Lord is going to place us in places where maybe nobody else is going to get to encounter the presence of God that day. But we get to be the ones that get to be those people in the place God has sent us. So if we start to recognize that, and instead of just waiting to say, well, I don't want to make any establishments, right? I don't want to settle. I don't want to have a house. Like, I don't know if I really want to make this my home. What would it look like if we went into every place knowing that it was a place that God had purpose for us to be, God had purpose for us to bring his presence and his peace and his shalom, and we established those roots, and we made home there with people, and we helped them see Jesus through that? What could that change? It's talking about seeking the peace, the shalom. So in the Old Testament, this idea of shalom is the word that's used for peace in the Hebrew, and it's this idea of something that's whole, something that's complete, almost as if there was a stone that was perfectly round and had no cracks or nothing broken within it. That's this idea of shalom, that it's this completeness. So essentially, when anything is missing or broken or there's cracks, then it means that there's no shalom and that the shalom, the peace, needs to be restored. So God is saying to the people here in Jeremiah, he's looking at the city and he's saying, there's some things that are broken. There's some emptiness. There's some cracks. So, so we need to, somebody to come and you need to bring peace, pray for peace, work for peace there, wholeness, completeness. But then we see in the New Testament, there's this new word in, that is used for peace. And this piece in the New Testament is still this idea of wholeness and completeness. But Jesus in Isaiah was prophesied to be the prince of Shalom. And then in the New Testament, he is announced in Luke and in the Gospels, he's announced as peace. He's announced as, as peace in John and in Luke in the Gospels there. So we see that Jesus was the one that then came in the New Testament to fulfill the prophecy of being peace. Ephesians 2.14 says, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus came to be our peace through his death and resurrection, to take the things that were broken and restore them, renew them, make them whole again. So in some ways, when we're seeking the peace and the shalom of the city that we've been placed in, we're also seeking wholeness, completeness. We're seeking Jesus to come and to make his way into the city to which we have been placed in. And I want you to imagine with me a future where there really was no more pain and there was no more suffering and recognizing that we can start to usher that in today. So when we're reading these scriptures, this isn't just, just a hopeful thought or a vision of the future, but it is instructions of how we can live that we can be people that continue to work to be whole in Jesus so that we can make way for him to flow from within us. But the reality is that peace takes work. Like peace takes time and peace takes work. But for many of us, the fear of settling and making home stops us from even starting. And so I hope today 
that by the end of this, we would have that courage to say, how do we start to bring peace? So as we keep on reading, we're going to skip down to verse 11, where it says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and will bring you home again to your own land. Not only is God saying here that he can be found, but he's saying he wants to be found. He wants us to seek him so that he can be found and we can find him. This is not just a future hope, but this is a present reality that we can experience that wholeness, completeness in Jesus. He's saying in verse 14 where he's saying the captivity will end, like this evil will end. There will be a day where it will be no more. But then comes some warnings as we keep reading. In verse 20, it says, therefore, listen to the message from the Lord, all you captives there in Babylon. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says about your prophets. Ahab, son of Kaliah and Zedekiah and the Mesa, who are telling you lies in my name, I will turn them over to Nebuchadnezzar for execution before your eyes. Their terrible fate will become profitable so that the Judean exiles will curse someone by saying, may the Lord make you like Zedekiah and Ahab from the king of Babylon, burned alive, for these men have done terrible things among my people. They have committed adultery with their neighbors' wives and have lied in my name, saying things I did not command. I am a witness to this. I, the Lord, have spoken. This is a pretty harsh warning of God, saying that he is at some point, like he is going to bring justice. There will be evil no more. God wants us to recognize, even here today, that he wants nothing to do with evil. Now, I don't have to go through the list and tell you guys about all the things that are broken in our world, right? We see it every single day. We encounter it when we hear about the pain that our friends and our coworkers and our neighbors are walking through, right? We, we see the reports on the news of the violence and the things that happen all around us. We know that there is not perfect peace and perfect shalom everywhere we go. We know that there are cracks, that there are things missing, that there is need. And we know that Jesus is the one that can come and Jesus is the one that is justice and mercy and grace and renewal and peace. And that when Jesus was here and he was walking on earth, that he demonstrated seeking that peace and that prosperity. He demonstrated what it meant to bring wholeness and complete unity when he gathered his disciples, all these people from different backgrounds and ethnicities and in in different cultures coming together in that type of way for a common mission. He demonstrates this in the way that he fed the hungry, in the way that he clothed those without, in the way that he looked at the adulterous woman and said, hey, I want a relationship with you. I love that N.T. Wright in his book, On Earth As It Is in Heaven, which I highly recommend reading. It's beautiful writings. He says, Jesus didn't see his healing simply as a kind of pre-modern traveling hospital. He wasn't healing the sick just for the sake of it. Important though the healing itself was. Nor was it just a way of attracting people to listen to his message. Rather, the healing was a dramatic sign of the message itself. God, the world's creator, was at work through him to do what he had promised, to open blind eyes and deaf ears, to rescue people, to turn everything right side up. The people who had been at the bottom of the heap would find themselves to their own great surprise on top. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And he went about making it happen. He went about making it happen. I love that last part. You see, Jesus, 
He made it happen. He didn't just seek, he found. He was he didn't just do miracles, but his miracles were a display of that love and that wholeness of saying you were made to be whole and complete, to have shalom, to have peace. Jesus, he was present with people and he was that peace. We have that invitation today to seek renewal for our city, to seek renewal for our neighbors, for our coworkers, for our friends. And it starts with presence and making room to usher in peace. Jesus invites us to follow his footsteps in being people of peace. He invites us to care about the suffering, all of the suffering, physical and emotional. He invites us to seek an end to hunger, homelessness, sexual exploitation, racism, all things that are unjust. He invites us into that mission of putting an end to it and saying, let's seek this until we find an end to this evil. But here's the thing that I truly believe that we are all going to constantly be faced with, is that there's always going to be evil. There's always going to be injustices. That the enemy is going to try and trick us and tempt us into thinking that true peace is going to come from us just looking away. Because we can. There's a lot of things that we don't have to see right in the face. That we can turn off the TV. That we can choose not to follow those things. We can choose not to interact with those people. And we can continue to try and build our own kingdom right here on earth and just keep going on with these comfortable, complacent lifestyles. And we can turn away from the unjust. But what Jesus invites us to do is to look at the evil, to look at the things that are unjust, and to say, I'm inviting you now to come, and I'm inviting you to make it right. I'm inviting you to continue to put in the work and to look at it, even if it's painful to see those things. You think of the situations that Jesus had to run into, the hurt, the broken, the lost. I mean, Jesus' death on the cross of him bringing that shalom, that eternal shalom, that eternal peace, that was a painful process. Seeking the renewal of our city is going to cost us something. It's going to cost us something. But seeking the renewal of our city is what Jesus invites us to do, to partner with him in seeing his kingdom come right here in Madison. The worship team, if you want to get up as we get ready to close. So part of our rhythm as a church is saying, what does it look like for us to have rhythms in our life where we are seeking renewal? What does it look like for us to have rhythms in our life where we are bringing peace and shalom to the people around us? And so some of the practical things that we have set up is is one to say, um, are you praying for people? Which is why we have these little cards that we want to have in your Bibles or on your fridges and it has things to say, okay, pick a neighborhood, pray for your neighborhood, ask God to reveal to you his heart for those people. What could our city start to look like if once a week, once a month, all of us were doing this, where we were praying for our neighborhoods? where we were praying for people to be restored spiritually, which is why we do things like Alpha and why we want you guys to pray about who are you inviting to come to this? Who are you inviting to come and to hear about relationship with Jesus? We wanna pray for people to be physically healed, spiritually restored, all of those things. 
But then also we have practical things, right? Where we're doing like once a month on Tuesdays now, we're helping pay for people's laundries. If you want to be involved in that. Once a month on Wednesday mornings, we have a group that's volunteering at a food pantry that's available. We do different, you know, service events. And so if you want to do more of that, we have opportunities to volunteer, to be present in our city and be present in our community. But what I really want to focus on today is this idea that each and every one of you are in a place and there's purpose in that place. And you have purpose to bring the presence of God and to usher in peace. Imagine in our city what it looks like to see renewal. And here are some of the things as I was praying about it of what could that look like? What does that look like? I think it's stories of us starting to have more and more stories of people's lives being changed. I think it's looking around Madison and the housing crisis that we have and seeing it no longer in existence. I think that it means no more food insecurity, that, that there's places where we can see that Jesus and his gospel are being clearly proclaimed. I think renewal in our city could look like more spiritual openness to the presence of God. I think it could look like us seeing miraculous physical healings where people are saying there's no way this happened but Jesus. Orphans having home, a sense that if this church and other churches in Madison disappeared, that it would be a great felt need. And that's going to take us having this holy conviction that there is purpose in us being here in this city, in this place, to bring the peace and the presence of Jesus everywhere we go. Now, this has to come from a place of presence with Jesus. For many of us, we try to do this on our own. And there's a lot of good things that you can do for the sake of the kingdom, right? Like you can go and you can feed the hungry, you can clothe people, you can do all of those things. But the reality is people are gonna keep being hungry and more hungry if we're not also spiritually feeding them as we're physically feeding them. And Jesus did both. He had this beautiful display. If you think of feeding the 5,000, he's like, I care about your physical needs, but now let me demonstrate that and my love for you as I do this. He cared about their spiritual needs. And so if we are going to be present with people, we first have to start from a place of being present with God. Because if Jesus himself is perfect peace, then we're gonna need the peace of Jesus to wash over us so that we can usher that in and nothing else. And so it starts with this, of us praying, spending time with Jesus, being renewed by Jesus, receiving the peace that only he can give, and it's from that place that we can pray for renewal, that we can bring renewal, and we can usher in his peace. Now, I'm going to go a little youth pastor on you guys for just a minute, okay? I was never a youth pastor, so I feel like I have to have these moments where I do illustrations. So...
constantly coming before God, receiving His peace, His wholeness, daily, every moment, so that we can let it flow from within us, so that when we encounter the people in the places that only we are, we are bringing His peace and His wholeness. So we're gonna spend some time today in prayer, and I wanna invite you to stand. Lamentations 325 it says the Lord is good to those who wait for him to the soul who seeks him Jeremiah 31 25 says I will satisfy the weary ones and refresh everyone you see God wants to be found his presence is near and so there's two things if you just want to take a moment and just close your eyes there's two ways that I felt like we needed to respond today If we're saying that we want to see God's peace and his kingdom of shalom be present in this city, we first need to make sure that we are continuing to come before him and ask the Holy Spirit to renew us and restore us. And so there's some of us today that I just feel like we need to take a moment as we spend this time in worship and prayer, and we need to just invite Jesus to come and to restore us. And sometimes that is that repentance of saying, Lord, is there anything in me that is turned from you that I need to repent and I need to turn back towards you? Because if we are not filled with his peace, then we're not bringing peace. We're only bringing destruction into the places that we enter in. And so even right now, would you just begin to take a moment and say, Lord, is there anything within me that I need to repent of? Any sin that is there that I need to repent of? Lord, would you come? Would you renew me? Would you restore me? I also sense that there were some of us that it really is feeling like we're just tired and we're weary and we truly need to say, Jesus, I need your peace. And maybe later that's establishing those rhythms of of praying throughout the week and, and what that looks like. But just even now to know that we come into his presence in this moment and we can encounter his peace. So to just ask the Lord, would you give me that peace? Would you fill me with that peace? And then I want us to just take time and begin to pray. As we pray and say, God, renew us, give us peace, and we receive that peace, that we would start to pray. And maybe some of you, this time is gonna be you praying for your neighbors praying for that shalom, praying for that completeness, praying for that wholeness, praying for his kingdom come. And let's seek the Lord for these next few moments to receive that renewal and then pray for that renewal in the city around us. So we're just going to take a few minutes now and we're just going to spend some time in worship and prayer. And so use this space to just commune with God and however you need to for these moments.